uh, today, I want to talk about fathers. And as I was praying about uh, this message, uh, a strange thing happened to me. I kept thinking about the Lord's Prayer. And, and I kept kind of asking God, why... <laughs> I'm praying about a message for Father's Day, and why are you putting on my mind the Lord's Prayer? I mean, that's uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's really the model prayer. What's that got to do with Father's Day? And uh, I was lying on my bed one night, just kind of meditating and praying and thinking, and I realized, well, it begins our Father and the the whole prayer is uh, our relationship with God as our Father. So um, we're going to be looking at how the Lord's Prayer is a model prayer for us to pray, but also a model for fathers, because it gives to us the character of God as a heavenly Father. I've mentioned in the introduction that the concept of the fatherhood of God is extremely rare in the Old Testament. If you ever uh, take the beginning of the New Testament in your Bible and kind of stick your finger in there and look at how much of the Bible is New Testament and how much of it is Old Testament, it's about 80-20 or 75-25. The New Testament is only a small portion of the whole Bible. The Old Testament, 39 books, uh, is, is huge by comparison. But in all of the Old Testament, the fatherhood of God is only brought up 15 times. But when we come to the New Testament, uh, the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, contain the concept primarily taught by Jesus of the fatherhood of God some 65 times. And in John's gospel alone, the concept occurs more than a hundred times. And the apostle Paul in his writings and his letters also more than 40 times. And there are some other uh, places here and there in the other uh, writers of the letters. So, um, over 200 times in the New Testament, the concept of the fatherhood of God shows up. The concept of God as Abba, Father. You know, sometimes people will think of God as Father, and they think of Him as the source or origin of everything. He's the Creator. But that's not what this is intended to convey. The fatherhood of God is intended to convey His personal relationship with us as His children. And when we come to faith in Jesus Christ and we are adopted into the family of God, then He becomes our Heavenly Father. We have that distinctive relationship with God. And the term Abba Father, it, it's often uh, translated or implied to mean dear daddy, uh, as in a very um, ordinary way that we call our dads. But the best translation is not daddy. However, it is an, it is an intimate kind of statement 
that shows a relationship between a child and his or her father. There are a lot of fathers here this morning. But my son John only has one father. And he calls me dad. And the idea here is that there is only one heavenly dad. We have one father that we can come to who has that special, personal, familial relationship with us. Um, There's a lot of fathers in the world, but I, I only had one. And there's, even though I was adopted, I really only had one father because fatherhood does not just mean that, that you impregnated a woman and had a child. Uh, it, it means a whole lot more than that. It goes into the, the duties and the responsibilities of being a dad. And we only have one real dad, uh, the one who raised us and cared for us and and uh, took care of us along the way. And so, the concept of God as Father in the New Testament is intended to communicate to us that personal, familial relationship that we have when we come to Him and we can truly say, Dad, the one in heaven... Father, the one in heaven, however you related to your father, whatever you called him, some cultures and even ours uh, in certain cases call their dad's pop. And uh, some uh, have other names for dad that are all affectionate, papa and whatever. But whatever you called your dad, that's what Jesus is intending to convey This is the relationship that we have. However, God is distinctive in that He is our Father in the heavenlies. He is our Father in the heavenly reign. And so the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer goes like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be Your name, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive those who are our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. And if we look at the various components of the character of God in the model prayer, we find that there are themes that can be emulated by earthly fathers. Now, I want to say here, and I'll speak more about it at the end, not all of you had fathers that you admired, and for good reason. And uh, some people have a very difficult time relating to God as Father because Father to them is not uh, a good memory. But 
one of the things we need to do is allow God to reveal to us the true character of a good father, a godly father, and to realize that earthly dads may profoundly fail, but God never fails. He never lets us down. And so the scripture says, and and we read this in our opening uh, scripture reading, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may, may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. You know, whatever else you may say about your mom and your dad, you're here because of them. They gave you life. And if your life has any meaning at all, uh, it's because they brought you into this world. You wouldn't be here without them. And so the scripture tells us to give honor to our fathers and mothers. And just as the Lord's prayer begins, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So respect for an earthly father is paramount in our relationship with him. That we owe to our parents respect. You survived infancy because of your parents. You got enough nourishment that you made it this far because of your parents. There are things your parents have done for you, however good or bad they may have been in general, that have been worthy of honor and thanksgiving. And so, uh, dads... (laughs) giving your children a reason to respect you, not just because they ought to, but because you've earned it, because you have demonstrated to them your worthiness of respect, is very important. Secondly, there's a legacy in the model prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. God has a purpose. He has a plan. He has a will that that He wants to unfold for this world. And earthly fathers need a plan. They, They need a purpose. They need a focus. They have a legacy that they need to build into the lives of their children. Um... I put here in the notes, they carry on the family traditions, the the children, not in terms of actual traditions and occupations, but in terms of character. You know, one mistake that parents often make is trying to squeeze a child into a mold that does not fit them. Uh, they have certain desires for their children and they try to push them into that uh, particular mold and it doesn't fit very well. When the scripture says, train up a child in the way that he should go and when he is older he will not depart from it, 
it's not talking about um, salvation so much as it's talking about the prayerful, careful discernment of how God has wired that child and how God has prepared that child for certain tasks and purposes. And the role of a parent is to encourage them in the aptitudes and skills and abilities that you observe developing in them. That's literally what it means. If you uh, train up a child according to God's design of them, the way they ought to go, as they grow older, they will stay on that path. If you try to push them in a direction that they're not in, meant for, that they're not wired for, they're going to be kicking and rebelling and frustrated. And, and if they succumb and out of obedience uh, follow you, they're going to be miserable. And so there is a legacy that does not have to do with occupation or with the, the family business. It has to do with something much deeper than that. It has to do with the character of the home. I, um, I grew up in a home where my dad was um, quite a bit older than, than I was. And as a result of that, by the time I was getting to where uh, I had energy and wanted to play... Uh, my dad was out of energy and tired of playing. <laughs> the thing that I remember about him uh, in terms of daily uh, activity is he, he drove a blue 54 Chevy. And you could set your watch by his arrival at home at the end of the day. And mom had dinner on ready to eat the minute he walked in the door. That, that was just the way our home functioned. And so um, he got home, he came in, we ate dinner, he sat in his wingback chair and read the paper. And I played at whatever interested me. And then when my brother came along, uh, he played at whatever interested him. Uh, I'm not saying Dad didn't play with us some. He did, but that wasn't, uh, it wasn't a lot. We didn't go hiking, camping, or anything like that with, uh, with our parents. And so, um, you know, I, I kind of grew up like that. And Dad was always there, and he was always solid as a rock. He was always dependable. He was a faithful provider. Um, I could count on certain things. Um, there were a few times that my dad cried. I remember uh, when I had heart surgery the first time at the age of 12, uh, it brought my dad to tears. It was a very touching moment. I remember the time that the sun was in his eyes and he made a left turn in front of a truck 
And uh, I just, they didn't have seat belts in those days. I got a little scratch on my forehead. But for some reason, I guess I'd watched too much gun smoke. Uh, I was confident that when the police showed up, they were going to shoot him. And so uh, I was just screaming, don't let him shoot you, don't let him shoot you. <laughs> and my dad was so deeply moved by that, you know, he was holding me and trying to comfort me and... Then the police got in on the act of trying to uh, comfort me and uh, make sure that I was going to be okay. Forget the accident. We got this kid here that's just off the rails. But, um, yeah, I agree. (laughs) That was pretty funny. But uh, it is now. It wasn't then. It was terrible then. But anyway. But the interesting thing about my dad was, and and this is what I mean by legacy, there were certain things that he passed along. He had integrity. He had honesty. His word was his bond. He, He had that original concept that if I say it, I will do it. It's gonna go. And he was highly respected by friends and by his work colleagues alike. And I remember after his funeral, the vice president of the railroad came to our home to deliver his life insurance check to my mother. And he said, I've known Martin all my life. They called my dad Martin, even though his name was Leonard. Uh, He went by Martin. He says, I've known Martin all my professional life. And he said, I've never met a man with greater integrity or depth or honesty than your husband. And to the extent that he did a task that the male could have performed, he personally brought the check to the house to deliver it and convey his feelings to my mother because dad was that kind of guy and he taught me a lot about that just by observing him Uh, I remember that my dad smoked like crazy um, two plus packs a day his bronchitis got worse and worse, and one night he sat up all night because he could not lie down and breathe. And he put the pack of cigarettes on the table by his wingback chair and left the carton on top of the refrigerator, and he said, I will never touch another one. And my mother said, do you want me to throw them away? He said, no, I want them to remind me of what has been killing me. And he never lit another cigarette as long as he lived. It's amazing. He started smoking when he was a youngster. And he quit one morning after a night of bronchitis and never touched another one. Dad had that kind of willpower And these are the lessons, this is the legacy that he gave to me. I'm not anything like my father. I I don't have the same interest as my dad. My brother does, 
And he's also natural born, so maybe that has something to do with it. But my brother does. He's very much like my father in his interests and, and abilities. And Leonard is a terrific salesman. I mean, he's just an excellent salesman. I'm just not wired that way. I'm not like my dad in abilities and skills. But I learned a great deal from him that has been with me my whole life. Provision. Give us today our daily bread. It is an obligation of dads. And in our culture with the cost of living moms to to an extent as well. But... If a man does not provide for his household, he's worse than an infidel. That's the scripture speaking. It is the duty of a father to make certain that his family has what they need. It is his responsibility to think of them first with his resources. To make sure they have clothes and food and shelter and All of the things that consist of that daily bread, just as our Heavenly Father is the ultimate provider of all of our needs. We have that responsibility. And you know, today as our culture is changing, and and Paul tells us uh, in one of his letters to Timothy that the hearts of the fathers will turn against their children and their Children will turn against their fathers. And I think part of that is going to come out of the selfishness of our age. That men fit that proverbial couch potato mentality. They want to be served. They want to be cared for. They want to spend their money on their own stuff. They want to pursue their own hobbies and interests. They they are not focused on the needs and care and blessing of their children. And yet, our Heavenly Father provides for us. And it is the task of the earthly father to do the same. The model prayer says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation. You know, there's a saying that you can never go home. Are you familiar with that? Do you know what it means? It means things change. As time goes along... It's not the way you remembered it, exactly. Um, I remember the last time I drove by the home that I grew up in over in Tampa. And um, they had changed the house a bit, and they'd added a room, and they changed the yard. And I kind of looked at it, and I said, yeah, that's where I grew up, but that's not the house I grew up in. It was a different place. Uh, You you go home to parents, but things have changed in terms of the community in the neighborhood. And you, you can't recapture those feelings. You have to live in the moment. 
But there's another sense in which we ought always to be able to go home. We ought always to find that when we go to mom and dad's, we find acceptance. We find forgiveness. You know, there's nothing, if you're a good parent, there's nothing a child can do to keep you from loving them. You may not like what they're doing. (laughs) You may be frustrated by some of their choices. They may make some colossal errors that are costly and Oftentimes, the costliness of a child's errors, a grown child's errors, are passed on. And parents pick them up. I won't ask for a show of hands, lest I embarrass you, but how many of you in this room have spent savings and retirement and other things to make sure your children survived a crisis? It happens. But no matter what happens, there is always forgiveness. There is always acceptance. There is always love that goes to a child. And you know, some children don't take that very well. One very famous pastor, if I called his name, you would recognize it. His daughter disappeared off the grid for more than two years. She grew up in church, grew up in the choir, grew up with her family, and then she just disappeared off the grid, and she got involved in everything she could that uh, was ruinous to her life. And then one day she showed back up on the grid, and she came home, and God had touched her life. She married a man that became a pastor, and that couple are pastoring in Chicago today. You don't know where things are always going to go, but parents are the one group that will, the one couple that will always love you, or should. I've thought a lot lately about the parents of mass murderers and mass shooters. How do you feel when your son hits the headlines of the paper as the one who has committed a mass shooting? You know, they're always someone's child. And they've done a terrible thing. But... They only have one dad and one mother. And how do you love them? Moms and dads find a way. Uh, They remember cradling them. They remember nursing them. They remember caring for them as a child. They remember the walks in the woods and all of those kinds of things. Home should be a place where we can find respite and peace and acceptance.
to the extent that we will allow it. And then, lastly, the model prayer says, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Protection. A godly father neither exposes his children to temptation by his own behavior, neither does he lead them down a path of temptation. You know, I, Rowena gave me a needlepoint one year that I had in my office for a long time at home. And that needlepoint showed a man reaching down to take the hand of his small son. And it said something to the effect of, be careful where you go, you have someone who's following you. You know, dads, kids follow you. Kids follow you. John, if I can pick on you again. <laughs> He's say helpless victim, what can he say? Um, you know, he thought uh, growing up I would uh, eat a sandwich and drive with my knees. And he thought that was the coolest thing. Until he got a little older and realized it was a pretty stupid thing. <laughs> really, really dumb. <laughs> And uh, frankly, it is. Um, I never knew he was watching me. I never knew that. And it was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I've, I've demonstrated a lot of things I wish I hadn't demonstrated. But you know, the language you use, the programs you watch, the movies you see, the habits you have, the things you do, your kids are watching you. And they're going to follow you. Unless they wake up and realize that's pretty stupid. They're going to follow you. And we have an obligation to model Godly behavior for our children. We have that duty to lead them not in the path of temptation, but to deliver them from the evil. And that is a, a responsibility that God has given us. Of the 40-something times that the Apostle Paul mentions in his letters, these gifts from God are priceless and encourage us who are fathers to provide them to our children in our limited measure. Paul constantly begins his letters, May the God and Father of our Lord and of Jesus Christ, the God of grace and peace. He often puts those together. Grace is often called unmerited favor. But children need an abundance of help and guidance even when they do not realize it. How many of you can connect with that statement? Oftentimes they, they think they're grown when they're not. I'm talking about, you know, youngsters. They think they've achieved when they're not. But... They need grace and help and guidance. 
when they don't realize it and when they don't deserve it. Grace is still keeping that wall of protection, provision, that legacy, that consistency around them. Peace is the absence of turmoil, the presence of inner tranquility and well-being. To the extent that we're able, godly fathers should provide an environment that fosters peace in the lives of our children. Home should be a place of refuge. I'm not saying it's always going to be hunky-dory and everything's going to be just perfectly fine and nobody's ever going to have a crossword. You're probably all dead if that's true. But peace should prevail in the home. It should reign as an attribute. And lastly, on the back of your sheet, not everyone has a living father or has a father like this. It is good for us to know that our God is a father to the fatherless. In Psalm 68.5 it says, A father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows is God in his holy habitation. And in Psalm 146.9 the scripture says, The Lord protects the strangers... He supports the fatherless and the widows, but he thwarts the way of the ungodly. If you don't have a father, it does not mean that you don't have a father. You have a perfect father. You have a father who pays attention to you. And, you know, the truth is, it doesn't matter how old you get, fathers are important. Good fathers, godly fathers are important. And I am so grateful that I can go to God, my heavenly father, and find the grace and the help that I need. And the strength that I need. He is the one who cares for me. Some people, some of you, have had dads that were cruel, selfish, abusive. It's very difficult to respect and love and honor a father who has mistreated you or abused you or taken out their own lust upon their own children. Nothing really could be worse. It's a terrible, terrible thing. It damages the lives of children. But I want you to know this morning that there is a heavenly Father who is not like that. One who has only your best interest at heart. One who will always care for you. One who will be there and meet you. I've 
talked with a number of people who were the victims of child abuse. And one of their questions is, where was God when I needed him? Where was God? It's hard to comprehend, but God was in the midst of it. He was there. He was beside you. He was with you. Bad things happen to good people. That's one of the realities of the cruelty of our world. We live in a fallen world. But when our God says He will never leave us or forsake us, He means that. No matter what we face, He will go with us through it. And so we have a loving Heavenly Father. A Father that deserves our respect, who gives us a legacy and inheritance in Christ Jesus, who provides our every need, accepts us time and time again just as we are, who protects us from the evil one. Regardless of the character of our earthly fathers, we have a wonderful heavenly Father who does not change. For us who are fathers, He is worthy of emulation by the strength and power of His Holy Spirit. You cannot model your life after God without the power of His Spirit. You need the fullness of the Holy Spirit, but in His fullness, it is possible to be a godly parent. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that we can call You Father. We ask You to minister to us this morning and bless us. And Lord, in that blessing, give us as parents the aspiration to be like You in the loving care of our children. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.